0: Welcome to the We Go There podcast. I'm Lexi. And I'm Nikki. And our favorite conversations are when someone starts by saying, this might be TMI, but... Exactly. We go there because no topic should be too taboo, especially when it comes to women's health. We ask the questions you may be too afraid to ask and interview the experts to get the answers you need. So we're doing this completely
1: unfiltered. 100%.
0: Okay, let's go there.
1: Okay, buckle up, folks. Dr. Stephen DeWitt is here in the Woo-hoo! house today, <laughs> and this is going to be, I think it's going to be our most popular episode ever, and let me Great. just share a little bit of background. I was at a party recently, um, and I met Dr. Stephen, and we have a mutual friend, and literally didn't talk to anybody else the entire night. I was like, you have a doctorate in human sexuality. And you're fascinating and you're hilarious. So we actually took, I was like, we got, I got to get you on the podcast. So I took a selfie of the both of us drinking wine and sent it to Lexi. And I was like, get ready. We're going to book them right now. I'm looping the team in. And I looped the team and I sent an email on like a Friday night at like midnight. And I was like, okay, let's schedule Dr. Steven. This is happening. I had so much FOMO. I was like
0: lying on the couch eating. (laughs) balancing uh-huh. like a cereal bowl on my twin belly and I was like oh that would so much fun she ran into a sexologist God, like, at, a, oh, at a party damn. yeah I, I,
2: I think what what I love Nikki is is connecting with other people that are passionate about empowering women so when we were introduced I was like you do the what and you like you do the who and then we just were like bouncing back and forth and like that energy is is some of the most like creative and fun spaces to be. So I was like, Hey, let's do a selfie. Let's, let's go. Let's go. When, when do we get a hangout next? And and here exactly. we are.
0: Well, this is going to be like part one of part whatever, because yeah. um, I already for know sure. it, but is that a giant penis behind you? It is. Okay.
2: <laughs> this is, um, <laughs> And, and this is Winston.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah. Winston! Um, I think we need to create a visual right now for so, people uh, who are uh, just yeah. listening to the yes. audio. It is a, Lard—it's bigger than your head. It is essentially a dildo, bigger than your head.
2: I, I like to refer good. to him as art, um, and uh, he's never been used for pleasure purposes. But when I talk to audiences about um, like the male penis and what we're so what we've been taught to think about, like it always got it's got to be the bigger the better, and like it's got to be always be hard and all that other kind of stuff. It's got to be the size versus what it actually is and not looking at penis owners as robots that have to be this way. Um, that's when Winston comes out. And then,
0: um, oh my gosh, Winston, out,
2: uh, Victoria,
0: the vagina, the, the, vulva, <laughs> the vulva, vulva, the vulva puppet. Um, yeah,
2: and so any, like, I remember growing up and and any sex educator that I saw always had one of these. So it was like, like, listen, I got lots of degrees and stuff, but this was like, Okay, I'm official now. I have a vulva puppet. So <laughs> That's like a Nikki with her back. pelvis. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, did I'm you, Victor, I named, I named my pelvis Sheila. I wanted a very like 1950s Sheila. and 60s mom name. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. Sex
2: with Sue, you know, growing <laughs> exactly. up listening to the radio being yes. like, oh my God, did you just say that? That's <laughs> kind of interesting and hot. And why do I feel the way I feel in different parts of my body right now? Um, <laughs> Yeah, you also have whips on throw. your wall. No, you also yeah, have the whips, new whips on your wall. Yeah,
0: we can't we can't not talk about the whips. Oh yeah,
2: um, more Four instruments of pleasure. I rotate those um, around depending on my mood.
1: Um,
2: here's here's one. Um, this is
1: amazing. Not what you were just
2: listening. These are um, impact tools. So one has this lovely um, cutout of a heart. Um, which can make a nice um, mark on your partner. And then this one um, says slut. And so that's cut out as well. And that pulls back. And so that can make a mark on your partner too if you want to get artistic with those um, implements. So yeah, those are some of the things in the background.
1: This is really, Lexi's dying right now. This is so not what we have ever covered before. And so I'm personally at the edge of my seat, literally and figuratively. So really like this, we've also only really interviewed women on the topic Mm. of sexuality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I want to, I think we all want to know why you, (laughs) why, (laughs) why, I mean, you've written a book. There's a lot we have. I mean, people can read the show notes and see you're very, very accomplished. You're very educated in this, but, Mm -hmm. you know, tell us about why you and why this topic, why this field.
2: Well, oh, um, so that's going to go back into, into my childhood. Um, and, uh, so growing up, um, grew up in North Vancouver, British Columbia, right by, uh, Lynn Canyon, There's a beautiful forest there. And so we uh, grew up in this wonderful neighborhood community. So we'd go out and we'd play and just be this super fun, creative experience for me and, and my friends, and there was one friend that I um, had, and I found out that she was sexually abused from the age of seven to the age of like thirteen, and I didn't know about that. And um, I remember I found out through I don't know someone told me or something because it, it had just come out, and I left school, and I went home and I was I was crying I was so upset. My mom was there, you know my mom's lovely. And she said, "You know, Stephen, it's it's okay. You know, you didn't you didn't do anything." And 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 I was I was so upset. And so my friend came over and and we talked. And what what was there was like, why didn't you tell me? Now I was two years younger than her, so a seven year old telling a five year old like I don't have the cranial capacity to understand any of this. But I was left with a distinct impression of like this was wrong. And if you, I want to do something to like make this not happen to people or people that I love and people that I care about. So that was one thing where where sex and and power and, and, and sex, you know, I I believe is something that is um, created and communicated and explored Can be one of the most beautiful, pleasurable experiences that we can experience as humans. But if it's something that is coerced or forced or manipulated, or there's, you know, non-consensual power dynamics at play can be one of the most damaging ones so that that was early on the the second thing that happened was I grew up Roman Catholic and um so sex is obviously not something that is uh blessed uh, unless you're married um and but not only was it uh wrong to have sex before marriage but it's wrong to think about sex so i would go to church right and i was an altar boy and listen i got a lot from it that's where i developed my love of being in front of audiences and speaking but i would go to church and be like okay i'm not going to think about sex sex is bad i'm not going to think about sex until i'm married and then i would go outside and I'd see billboards and magazine covers and, and movies and books and all this other kind of stuff that was highly sexualized. So I'm like, how do I not think about sex when all of this stuff is bombarding me? And so that was something that was really fascinating for me to be like, what? Why is it this way? And then the, the third thing happened uh, later. I, I had finished or I no, I was in university. So I went to UBC and I was um, had this very illustrious job as a topless male waiter for ladies night. It was at it was at this establishment called the Wild Coyote. So anybody listening that is uh, in BC uh, can remember. It's no longer there. It was used to be by the airport. And from 8 p.m. till 10 p.m., it was women only. No guys, women only. So you have like all these women stay guests. It would pack the place two, three hundred women, and then be there'd be male strippers. And in Vancouver, they go full Monty. Now I was there, and I was the topless male waiter because. I had a, a, I had a particular aesthetic and I would stand there and there was this, uh, the MC was this guy by the name of AJ and he's like, Stephen, all you got to do is stand there with a tray of shooters and just keep talking. And they'll either buy shots to shut you up and make you go away or they'll buy shots because you're cute. And I was like, I got this. Let's go. But how old were you? How old are you? Tell us uh, more. So 20. So I was t- my 20, 19, 23, 24, mm-hmm. 22, somewhere. That in that age range. But what that provided me that stuck with me was I got a window into female sex. And I wasn't having sex with anybody at that time. Like my development and exploration came much later in life, but a window into female sexuality where women were actually using their voice, advocating for themselves, sharing, hooting, hollering, saying all these things. And I'm like, Toto, we ain't in Kansas anymore. Like, where else? It, up into that time in my life, had women been given permission to be vocal about what they wanted and what they wanted to do? And it was just like, oh, my God, this is really fascinating for me. So those are the, the, the three things in my developmental years. I mean, my own um, uh, transformation and, and exploration in this area, that's a much longer story, but it, it came to just in a brief synopsis. Um, a place where I was in my life when I was realizing like how I was living, how I was creating connections, relationships, sex was just really inauthentic. I was reading this socio-sexual script that was just, just garbage and didn't produce the results and the type of connections, the type of things that I want in my life. And so that really took me on a journey of really stepping into um, my own truth of who I am and exploring consensual power exchange and kink, exploring what it looks like to have flexibility inside of a primary partnership where sometimes there's monogamy, sometimes there's not, in a way that's very safe, in a way that's very respectful, in a way that's very grounded in, number one, who I am, and number two, who my partner is, and then being able to create these fantastical experiences and connections and relationships from that place. And then when I was there, I was like, holy smokes, if I can make this available to, to more people, not that it has to look like it, you know, I like, there's lots of people I, I work with, lots of women that I work with that have been married for 25 years. And they're like, how do I, you know, create the things that I want? But I, I, I was at a place where it's like, there's so much guilt, shame and fear. And there's so many people you know, focusing on the standards, the ideals, the norms of it, and expectations of who they are as women. I was like, if you could just shed all that and leave that alone and step into the truth of who you are, there'd be a lot more joy, a lot more happiness, a lot more pleasure, a lot more healthy relationships out there. And so that's when I went to school and did the degrees and wrote the book and clinical placements and all that kind of stuff.
1: And you work with a lot of women. You were saying when we were drinking wine at the party, I was like, mm-hmm. so women come to you, a man, to talk about their sexual problems. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, they do. They sure do.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because there's someone that are like, hell no, like, I don't want to talk to this guy. And, and that's totally fine, too. But um, there's a couple of things that I can be responsible for because I do walk with um, privilege and experiences that a lot of women don't Um And so one of that is just like owning that from the get-go. And and like you said, you're like, we don't have a lot of women on talking about sex on the show. So I I know that I'm in, in, in sacred kind of grounds as a man walking in. So first of all, is like, I just acknowledge that number one, I'm not going to be for everybody. Um, Number two, that there is, and this is one of my mentors. She shared this with me and she's like, Stephen, there, there's a time and place for someone that looks like you. And that is you to start standing up and speaking. Because everybody else looks like me, right? And she's like a female identified presenting, you know, all that other kind of stuff. And I'm, I'm not, right? So I'm I'm all the, all the things, right? I'm white, I'm male, I'm educated, I'm privileged. I have come from financial resources. I'm like all these things. But again, it's for me to be like, hey, it is time for someone like me to stand up and talk. Also, what I do is... I talk about my own journey. Like I always haven't been this 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 sexologist. I haven't been this open-minded. I've done, I've had bad sex. I've made bad choices. I've made bad decisions. So part of that is humanizing myself as well and, and having people feel comfortable and building that, that relationship with them of like, oh yeah, this this is a safe space for me to be able to talk. And some people distinctly want to have a male opinion or male viewpoint because their partners are male, and so they want to be able to understand that more. So those are kind of the, the things that go through my mind in in, um, in in working with the women that I do. And just women are so much more fun to, to work with, to talk to. So I'll speak at conferences, and for women, it'll be standing room only. They'll be packed and they'll like want so much more and they'll be hungry and excited for that. Where I find men, if there's something challenging around their sex life or sexuality, it's so confronting for them and they tend to shut down. And it's so tied to their ego and their sense of self and masculinity where women are like, yeah, I want to learn. I want to grow like, fuck yeah, let's go. And so I find it just so much more fun and so much more rewarding on just a purely energetic level in working with women. Uh, the other thing that that i think about there's there's a saying i saw it i don't know in advertisements or or something like raising money where it's like you you educate a woman you educate a village and so what i'm committed is all people live a sexually empowered life and they have relationships that work and if if when i can make a difference with a group of women if i'm speaking you know at a conference if it is you know an online program so it's a smaller group of women or if it's one on one i know that if that woman has a breakthrough in the area of their sex life they're not just going to keep it for themselves they're going to be able to share that and talk to their partner or their partners they're going to take that and be able to pull learning from that and share that with the little people in their life if that's a niece or you know a son or a daughter to interrupt, you know, some of the the generational stuff that gets handed down to women, um, and they they get stuck in this in this rut and they don't know how to get out of it. So that's something that that excites me as well.
0: So great. I so can we talk about unlocking your sexual superpowers and specifically like with women, like how you. How can like women feel empowered sexually? Because you talk mm-hmm. a lot about that, right? In what yeah. you do. So, can you just expand on what that means and how you work with women to unlock their sexual superpowers? Yeah, I mean, sounds uh, fabulous.
2: Um, so, first of all, um, some of the the major tenants that I that I pull off of and and work and creating spaces and exercises is understanding that the most important sexual relationship is the one that you have with yourself. It's the longest lasting, it's the most reliable, and it's the most intimate one that you will ever have. So many women have been socialized to think about the most important sexual relationship is the sex that they're having with their partner or their partners or their husband or their wife or whatever. And so being able to access your sexual superpower is very difficult because a lot of people would come and be like, yeah, but like my, my boyfriend does this or like I'm dating and I have the same things that happen again and again and again. And it's like, great, but I, you can't and I certainly can't impact the, your, your husband who was over there or the amazing sex that you're having with a hookup partner or a fuck buddy over there. What I can do is work with you to be able to go inside and to be able to start looking at the relationship that you have with sex. And that is the the sexual relationship that you have with yourself mirrors the sexual relationship that you'll have with other people. So the first step that I work through is developing your sexual self-awareness. Why do you have the sex that you have? Or why don't you have the sex that you want? Most people walk around the world sexually unconscious. They don't give a lot of thought to it. This turns me on. This turns me off. This fills me with lust. This fills me with disgust. This gets me hard. This gets me wet. Like this is perverted. This is gross. You know, that's just, that's the way it is. And they have never been given the opportunity or for a lot of women, the actual permission and space to start exploring like, Hey, what? What do I really like if I could shed all that stuff and not have the expectations, what would, what would even being playing in like a fantasy look like for me? Because again, there's so many women that are stuck in what I call the performance paradox. You know, there's probably women listening now that have maybe faked an orgasm or two or maybe a couple dozen or they're in this position that they think is like hot and sexy, but really it's fucking uncomfortable. Or it's like, (laughs) it's like hitting your cervix. And you're like, Oh yeah, baby, that's freaking hot. And you're like, no, but it's like, Oh no, I have, I'm here to be, it's like a performance thing. It's, It's I have to do this because I am a good partner, I'm a good wife because this is what I because it's what I'm supposed to do rather than being like what is like the hottest, juiciest, most arousing experience that I can explore number 1 for myself and again, we're not talking about masturbation even yet. But this is in the world of like, hey, what would that actually look like for myself? And so having an opportunity to look at what does sexual success look like for myself? Independent of a partner. That's and a for one. a lot of women, that's very difficult and it's very confronting because they've never had an, uh, uh, they've never been um, without an attachment to a partner and a partner's pleasure before. And so looking at what does that look like for myself first and foremost. So developing that sense of sexual self awareness um, is the first step. The second step is um, developing sexual self-esteem and then there's developing sexual responsibility. So like being unmessable with in the face of anything that comes out you at you, excuse me. And then um, the, the last one is sexual self-expression. So just being free to like be yourself and be as awesome as sexy, have as much sex or as little sex, be as kinky, be as vanilla as, as you want that honors you where you're at.
0: So it's all focused on you. All of those steps. 100%. Because I can't
2: unlock the sexual superpower of your partner. Like, what am I going to do? Like, slip them Viagra in their coffee? Like, (laughs) I don't know. Right? So it's really about spending that time and unlearning a lot of, excuse my uh, vocabulary, bullshit that you have been taught, that you have internalized, and therefore normalized as who you are as a sexual being and the type of sex that you're supposed to have. You know, a lot of a lot of women don't even know how to put words to their desire or the words that they use are very, very narrow. And I'm all about how do we blow that thing apart just so you can get in touch with that part of yourself first and foremost. Once you have that, then you can start, you know, exploring with other people, but it's, it's understanding that first and foremost for yourself.
1: How does like body, because I, I mean, obviously work with a lot of pregnant and postpartum women. How does body image, would you say with your experience working with women play into their sexuality?
2: Yeah, a lot.
1: <clears throat> right. Like,
2: I mean, I don't have to tell you guys. Right? It's, it's how I look as a woman is um, sexual capital, it's relationship capital, it's emotional capital that is, um, makes me deserving or not deserving of investment of those things. And so I find a lot of women get to a place in their life where they're feeling okay or even good about who they are. And then they start building babies in their bellies. And their body is, I mean, uh, you guys are the experts in this. Their bodies are no longer their own. There's a, a loss of autonomy there. The shape of their body is changing. The things expand, contract, grow, shrink, all that other kind of stuff, hormones going out. And then, you know, their bodies after birth are used for the purposes of nourishment and that world of things. So going from a place of, hey, I feel, you know, okay, or good about my body or sexy about my body, <clears throat> and then have my body go through the radical changes that it, that it does, not only uh, on a physical level, but the emotion that you go through, it, you know, postpartum, like all that other kind of stuff has a massive effect on one, your desire to your sexual relationship with yourself and how sexy or sexual you feel. Um, and then not to mention, if you do have a partner in your life, the the complexities of that dynamic between them. So it it can get very interesting at that point.
0: Hmm. Well, and like Nikki, you talk a lot about like the six week postpartum, like you're good to go. Oh God, get back on the horse kind of thing. But and and I found this so shocking after my first born was no one ever prepared you for the mental barrier of oh, wait, I'm going to actually have sex again and I just had a baby and also I don't feel like really that great about myself. I'm not feeling sexy. Like I just finished nursing my baby and all of those things are not at all. It's like, oh, you're like clear, quote unquote, maybe, maybe not. And you can just go and start having sex again. Yeah. End of story.
2: Yeah, sex is is such a... especially in the, in the medical profession. And listen, I got a lot of friends in that world. I speak at a lot of conferences. I got a ton of respect for them, but it's often reduced to function. So this part of your body can now receive a penis or a toy or a whatever versus, you know, something I say is sex happens between your ears before it happens between your legs. So where are you as, as a human being, As like, where's your head at? Where's your heart at? Like, what's going on with your your gut? Like, what are you really feeling? And then it's like, hey, okay, my pussy feels good. It's wet. Great. You have alignment in all of those. Perfect. But if one of those is out and after going through childbirth, there's probably like three or four of those things out of of whack and out of alignment. And so how to bring those things back into alignment. And one of the things that I often... will work with is how do you diversify what sex looks like? Because I'm always curious about having sex meet you where you're at rather than you thinking that you have to meet sex that like a way that it has been before, right? Like get, you said, getting back on the, on the horse, like, Holy geez. Like I now have to wrap my brain around The sex that I had before giving birth, well, f that doesn't feel good. That one, that doesn't feel good. That doesn't feel sexy. I don't like the angle. It you know, things have shifted or moved around like that. Doesn't feel good. So it's always at like diversifying what sex looks like. It doesn't have to be this world of uh, you know heteronormative world like the P and the V, right? It doesn't have to be penetrative sex. It can be pulling apart, slowing down, exploring things that, that can be different, but that can be super hot. One of the, the, the most um, joyous things as as women go through this part of their lives is exploring new new things that actually turn them on because and new ways of being touched and new sensitivities for their bodies. And, and so that's really where I, I invite people to start playing and there's an exercise called body mapping and and that's a just tool after I just the-
0: watched something on this it's yeah amazing
2: yeah so it, it it's being able after any kind of big life experience or traumatic experience in your life is to be able to um, recalibrate with yourself and if you have a partner so again this doesn't have to be partnered but about like what parts of your body, like feel good and being touched and what kind of touch do you like what kind of pressure do you like what kind of intensity do you like what kind of temperature like all these different things can shift because listen before you'd be like you know what i really love i really love it when my left nipple gets nibbled on that's your thing cool turns you on gets you wet you're like that's like my my go-to button after pregnancy you're like, know what would be hot is if you um stood on the kitchen table, <laughs> put peanut butter on your nipples, barked like a dog, wow, I touched my right elbow that would be the <laughs> thing that is so fucking hot let's go do this oh. and, and and I say that to like to be you know a little bit facetious but i really want people or invite people to start exploring like and not being so restricted in what this has to look like because you know your clit may be extra sensitive or less sensitive your vulva may be, you know there's lots of your vaginal canal there's so many things that are like okay so this this is something that has been pleasurable and i'm committed to like that being part of our it's not like about Hey, it's never going to be that. But like, how do I meet? I want sex to meet me where I'm at. Mm -hmm. So looking at different ways of connecting, looking at different ways of exploring new things that you haven't in the past. I always say when one door closes, a window, which could be really hot and sexy, opens in the background. And then that pleasure mapping exercise of being able to explore your body and reintroduce Yourself to pleasure, and if you have a partner, your partner to pleasure as well.
1: Okay, I have to ask a question about guilt, and you're a Catholic, so I feel like you're going to (laughs) understand this.
2: I got a PhD in that,
1: (laughs) but no, and I I say that jokingly because a couple of my best friends are also Catholic. But we spent our whole life, our mutual friend, you know, you know, yes, (laughs) of course, of course, yeah. The the guilt is real, but everything you're you're suggesting sounds amazing.
2: Yeah,
1: and. It also sounds like it might require a certain degree of confidence in -hmm. yourself to voice your your desires. And also, and I know this for a fact, there is this idea that women are worried that postpartum, especially after a vaginal delivery, they're going to be too loose Mm -hmm. or they're no longer going to be able to please their partner. But -hmm. then they also feel even though they don't maybe want to have penetrative P and V intercourse they feel like they have to, so their partner doesn't lose interest. This is a huge thing that women go through. It's like, well, it's kind of my duty. it's my my blah, blah blah. And so how do anyone listening to this, I, I think that I'm sure some people, some listeners might be able to relate to those emotions, mm-hmm. how do you get past this feeling of like, no, my desires are important. I don't have to just, mm-hmm. you know worry about you know my role as a dutiful wife?
2: hmm. So I, I think there's uh, this is a very nuanced situation. So I'm going to talk about different levels of it. So one thing that is, is is so important is communication. And I don't care if you are single, never have kids in your life. I don't care if you're married, you got 10 kids in your life, whatever communication like, out of all the weird, wonderful, wild things that we can do with our mouths when it comes to sex, talking is the most powerful. So, creating an environment where talking and communicating about sex is a normal part of your life. So, I implore everybody who is listening right now, including Nikki, including Lexi, you may already be doing this, but carving out time at least once a month where you, if you have a partner, check in with your partner about your sex life and just be like, Hey, what's working this month. What's not working with month? what did you, what did you enjoy? What you did, did you not enjoy. And just normalize the conversation. And this conversation doesn't happen right before sex or right after sex. It's just something like, Oh, okay. It's like the 15th of the month. You know, we have coffee or we go for a walk or we carve out the 30 minute conversation to actually start um, having sex be again, a normal part of your conversations and normalizing that and prioritizing that. So that's just a baseline for everybody anywhere. If we start looking at uh, after sex and, you know, there's this whole narrative to like being loose or, or being stretched and and how that impacts my partner. And assuming that your partner has uh, owns a penis. um, I call bullshit on all of that because of how the vaginal canal and how that that part of your body naturally when you're aroused lubricates, right? We're all familiar with that, getting wet, super awesome, super hot, but also the vaginal canal upon arousal tints. So it actually opens up. It actually becomes bigger. So there's this false narrative that's out there of like, oh, being tight, because being tight is tied to your value and your value is tied to the limited, ideally, numbers of partners that you've had in your life. So limited number of, of penetrative sex, right? Oh, there's this thing of like, oh, if you've had a lot of sex, you've had a lot of penis and you, you're you loose. That's all bullshit, the vagina is this magical place of pleasure, of reproduction, of human life, of everything. And so on, on a great day, it's like, yeah, you want, I want you to be loose. Because why? You're turned on, you're aroused, you're wet, and your vaginal canal has naturally tented. Why? Because that's the place where it's receiving something that's being inserted in it. So, this whole thing, like when you know, I talk to women or I hear women talk, or even just in a social setting, or we're talking about sex, or or I hear guys talking about how tight she is, I'm just like, what, what, why don't you take off the blinders? Like, who are we lying to? It's just this myth that has perpetuated itself throughout, I don't know, since the Victorian era, of this bullshit of women's tightness being tied to their value or their worth or sexual pleasure. Now, listen, there's important things to do, Kegels. There are people that will exercise that part of their body to extremes, but most like your average person doesn't have the time nor the interest to be able to do that. So if we look at that and then collapse that on top of what happens after we've pushed an amazing human out of our bodies in a vaginal birth and thinking about like, oh my goodness, we got to, we got to tighten this or like, you know, that, that gross. um, I I don't hear that often anymore, but like earlier on that, like, oh, we're going to put the, like the husband, husband
1: stitch. Oh, I talk about it on my channel all the time. Well, not all the time, but it's, and it's funny, like it's, I unfortunately there are a lot of people who have had poor perineal tear repairs that need you know revisions but there is there it still exists where like the husband will kind of wink at the ob and go can you put an extra stitch in there for me bud or whoever you know and then i even had a comment recently someone being like, well, it's selfish. I mean, obviously, this is like a random troll, but it's selfish. Why wouldn't you want to be tighter for your husband? You know, like it's your duty and your job to like make sure you're still a pleasurable vessel for your, your partner. Vessel? I, yeah. I mean, that's it, right? I know yeah. you're cringing. It, I'm cringing too.
2: Yeah. It, it's such a- um, vessel? <laughs> it, it's such a, like, listen, I I agree in like, hey, let's be- like a hot, desirable, fun, sexy partner, but that goes both ways. It's not just the woman. It's not just the man, but like, how do we create that outside of this world? Like, Hey, if you like, it's so funny at the, you know, the women that I work with and sometimes their, their partners will be involved and they'll reach out to me afterwards. And they're like, Holy fuck, Steven, like, I did not, like a a, a woman sexually unleashed is so powerful, is so hot that that their partner or their partners are often like reeling, being like, "Where this is amazing. Like, I never thought that I could have the type of sex or we could have this type of connection rather than being like this part of the body, this hole needs to be tight. And that's what is actually going to lead to great sex. It's like, no, it's like. Being able to have a partner and to have someone, have a woman step in and own her, feeling safe, feeling comfortable, feeling sexy, feeling confident, and that gets unleashed. And we we break this patriarchal kind of like, oh, like I have the power and I'm the man, and you're here to please me. It's like no, if you can even that playing field and be like, hey, this is where we're starting from, and this is our sexual playground. How do we explore and play? That's when things get really hot. Because it's not a single mind being like, oh, this is what I want and it should look like this. It's, you know, my mom always says two minds are better than one. So when you have two minds, you can start collaborating and creating like really hot sex. That's when things get get really fun. And um, you know, there's lots of pleasure and and excitement there.
0: Cause that's what's like in that message, Nikki, it's and and predominantly. Out there, it's like the woman pleasing the man, which is where I think it just from day one is set up wrong. Like just in society and watching movies, like all of those things, it's set up in that way. Whereas you're saying, you know, a empowered woman who's very in touch sexually with themselves first, then it's a level playing field. And that can create actually like really some hot shit.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And not only some hot shit, but like the the women that take on their sex life, because, like, let's face it, this is one of the most, if not the most, like sacred, private, personal parts of someone's lives. When they start producing breakthroughs in that part of their lives, it ripples into so many other aspects of their lives. They're able to advocate for themselves, talk about what they want, set really healthy boundaries. You know, so this, like, there's changes in, how they relate to family members or friends or in a professional basis and negotiating and getting raises and in having healthier relationships, just generally, not just sexual ones in their life. And that is, is, is my, like, it's like having someone unleashed and really step into who they are is such a a beautiful thing and such a profound thing um, uh, versus like living that kind of meek existence and and doing what you're supposed to do or what you think you're supposed to do and getting stuck in that, in that rut.
1: So what's the first step for someone who is stuck in that rut?
2: So the first step is respect reality. Acknowledge where you're at. Stop pretending Start being honest with yourself. Sex is one of those things that, you know, if it's going great, awesome. If it's not going great, we get paralyzed by it. We avoid it. We don't want to have those awkward conversations about it, right? Like, I don't know about you guys, but when I have an awkward conversation, like anything else becomes a priority for me. Like, oh, I got to dust the bookcase now because I don't want to have a conversation with my partner. Like everything else becomes that. So the first step is to just acknowledge where you're at and don't make it wrong. Don't make it, you know, don't have to add a bunch of meaning, but like, hey, this is where I'm at. Like I'm not having the type of sex and the type of connection that I want with my partner. And that's okay. Somewhere along the, the, the way, we got taught that more is better. More sex is better. Longer sex is better. More orgasms is better. More kinky things that you do is better. And it's not that. We are human. We are such complex humans of, of, of emotions and the emotional, psychological, physical, relational sense of all those things. We, we're not sex machines, even though I was joking about pushing your left nipple and then you're turned on, right? There's so much that goes into being in a place and, and wanting to connect with your partner and feeling good about that, that it's okay to have times where you're not connected with your partner. You're not having a lot of sex. You're not, it's okay to be struggling with your sex life. What I find the most damaging is, is when people actually don't acknowledge that they don't give voice to that because I believe there's an epidemic of bad sex out there. I don't know about you guys, you know, how many of your friends you talk to. There's often very few that are like, yeah, my sex life is banging. Like majority of the vast majority is like, yeah, I'm not having the sex that I want. So the first step is just respecting reality, identifying where you were at. The next part is normalizing conversations about it, and how do we actually start having those conversations? Um, so I have a would it work? I have this like acronym, this kind of tool that people can use to, to start conversations. Would that be yeah. helpful to share?
1: Yeah, Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah.
2: Okay. So um, if if people are listening and they have something to write with or write on, if it's their phone or a pen, this may be something um, that uh, a, a takeaway for you, um, because often when people have things to talk about in their sex life, especially things that aren't working or working as well as they'd like it to, they get shut down. They're worried about how my, how is my partner going to react to it? Are they going to judge me? Are they going to make me wrong? Is it going to be triggering for them. Is it going to impact like, are they going to feel, you know, diminished or disempowered around that? So I created this acronym. It's called the LITA technique. I call it, I always call it the conversation cracker. So it's L I T A. So it's the Lita technique. Because often what's missing um, that I identified, and this is something that I worked on when I was doing my master's, is a context. People don't know where you're coming from. So often people just have this blurt approach, they'll just talk about whatever right? Like I'm not happy with their sex life or I want you to spank me or whatever. And your partner's like, what the, where, where's this coming from? Do are they, do they not love me? Are they upset? Is my butt too small? Is there, is the, do they, are they going to cheat on? Like there's just all this stuff. So there's not a safe context set. The other thing the leader technique does, it, it makes it a co-creative conversation. So it invites that person that you're talking to, to have an equal part in that so l i t a so you start the conversation by sharing what you like or love about the person and or the relationship right so if it's your you know lifetime partner you've been together for 20 years great you could talk about all the stuff that you love right if it's someone that you're hooking up with cool you could talk about the stuff that you really like the stuff that, that about them about the sex about whatever so you start by sharing what you like or love about the person or the relationship the i is what you share you share what's important to you another way of saying this is I what i do have
0: an answer for that <laughs> is there something siri <laughs> oh, that was
2: siri <laughs> let me say that again the i stands for sharing what's important to you said another way is what you're committed to for the future so you can say you know it's really important for me that you and i have conversations about our sex life because I'm really committed that we have great sex for the rest of our lives together. Or, Hey, it's really important to talk about safer sex because I really want to enjoy sex with you. And I can't really do that unless we have this conversation. So that's something that I'm committed to is, you know, we don't, you know, we share about this part of ourselves. So sharing what's important to you and what you're committed to for the future. So this gives the person, okay, so this is what Nikki loves about me. So I feel good about this. This is she's sharing what's important to her. So I know where this con I have a context, I know where this conversation is coming from. The T is you bring up the topic, right? It's like, hey, you know, I, I'd like to explore spanking, or I want you to I've been thinking about spanking. And this is what really turns me on. Right? There's the topic that you bring out or like, you know, we haven't been connecting sexually as much as we did in the past. And I want to have a a conversation with you about that. So you bring up the topic and then the A is actually A to the power of two. First of all, you want to ask them if they're open to having the conversation, right? Because I don't know about you, but sometimes people will be like, hey, Stephen, you know, can I talk to you about this? And I say, no, I'm busy. And they keep talking over me and I want to like punch them in the throat, right? You don't want to do that. It may be confronting, Nikki talking to me about spanking may be confronting for me and be like, cool, I just need, I just like need a minute. Like right now is not it. Or maybe the dog took a dump in the living room or the kids need to be driven wherever, or my mom yelled at me or whatever's going on. So you want to be respectful of the space that that person's at. And if they say no, they're not open to the conversation. That's totally cool. All you say is great. When would be a good time? And then be silent. Let them come out in a couple hours tomorrow, next week. Great. Put it in. You know and then the the second part is and where you say this regardless of if they say yes or no we say great because I really want your thoughts on this like I'd love to know where you're at with this so then that person feels that they're part of this equation and they're part of 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 where you know where you're at and they get the invitation to meet you there wherever they're at and so that lead a technique is Really great in in bridging that and having that communication start there, uh-huh. um, but and then going back to kind of where we started is is really getting a sense for yourself and knowing that again I'm going to say this for the majority of women have untapped sexual superpowers, and so how do I get into this? Listen, I'll just say this right now. Listen, I'm a penis owner, cisgendered man. I peaked around 18 years of age. Women don't. Women have the capacity for multiple orgasms. The vagina is this wonderful orgasm of potential and pleasure that expands and contracts. You know, it, it, women are superior, sexually speaking, a very base level to men. And there are those sexual superpowers. And that's, I'm just talking about the, the, the physiology of it all. But like, also what I see is there's a shift right now. To where more and more women are unwilling to live silent lives of dissatisfaction with their sex life. And they're hungry for more. They want to start exploring more and they want to start, you know, having the type of connection that they want on a, on a purely like, Hey, I want to be connected with a partner or partner that satisfies, you know, the, the, the intimacy part of me that, that is an expression of love to like. I want to start exploring kink. Like this is my submissive side, or this is my dominant side. And how to start leaning into that. I mean, we saw 50 shades of gray and that phenomenon that happened, you know, 10 years ago. And that kind of that conversation kind of evaporated, but those needs and desires and wants to like, get to that place are still there. And I think women more and more, and you see this even in like divorce rates and how many women are being like, Hey, I'm out. I'm tapping out because this isn't, I'm not happy with this part of my life anymore. So it's this really kind of groundswell and exciting, um, like energy and and desire and being like, hey, this is important part of my life. It is important to me. And how do I transform this? How do I make this better? How do I grow in this area?
1: So good. <laughs> We're both just soaking it all up because it's so true. And I actually was just thinking about the Lita technique and I'm like, that would be really useful for so many things. Not just talk about sex. I'm like, God, I need to talk to my husband about, you know, and you already, you kind of know topics that are going to be a little bit potentially off-putting. You already know, right? Like I'm like, so, you know, I want to talk about like, I don't know, the division of household responsibilities or, you know, whatever it may be, or like, you know, big financial investments that you want to make together or, you know, going on vacation alone.
2: (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. I was just in Mexico. I, uh, my partner and I lived in Mexico for three months and my, my partner, God bless her. soul, Katie, love her to death. She took vacation from vacation. (laughs) She left. She was like, I'm going to go to an all-inclusive. I was like, but we're in Mexico right now she's like yeah yeah love you see you in five days amazing and like a month later she went to she like booked a hotel went to the spa did all that kind of stuff so amazing. yeah the 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 power of communication and that that leader technique is it's it's so important and and like you said it can be applied I, I remember I was speaking in Toronto and there was this guy I remember his name was Omar who's in the front row and he's like I'm not sure if the two of you do a lot of speaking, but you know, you always love people who are engaged and he has like his notebook (laughs) out. And he's like, he's nodding and smiling. And I'm like, Oh, good. You know, I don't want to look, you know, two feet behind him because there's someone like, Oh my God, who's this guy falling asleep. But you know, there's always those people uh, in each audience, but Omar comes up to me afterwards and he's like, Stephen, he's like that. He's like, that was great. You know, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm so happy. I signed a book, blah, blah. The next day I'm sitting in, in my office and I get this email. (laughs) I check my email. It's Omar. He's like, oh my God, Steven. He's like, I used the Lita technique with my boss. It was amazing. So I email him back and I'm like, hey, Omar, congratulations. Glad it worked out for you. Whatever. Go back to whatever I was doing before. And then boom, another email comes through. And he's like, Oh my God, Stephen, I'm not having sex with my boss. I was like, like, no, Omar, it's good. You can use the Lita technique in any way that you want in your life. So it is, it is something that's powerful. And um and yeah, I can really make a difference in in the quality um, of of the the conversations that you have with someone. Because often we're comfortable talking at a very surface level, and I'm all about like what, what's underneath that, what's really going to have you share what's there for yourself. Because when you can crack that open and start being vulnerable in a in a safe space, that then opens up a new type of dialogue, a depth of dialogue, but it also invites the person that you're talking to, Mm -hmm. to to meet you at that level and talk at that level as well. And that's really where I start seeing things shift in, in people's lives.
0: That's awesome. I mean, I love that you've given so much actual like tangible Mm -hmm. advice that people can literally after they listen to this start to apply um, both in their sex lives and with their bosses. So <laughs> fantastic. I also think, Nikki, we should do like a poll, like get questions and have Stephen back for like rapid fire questions. I think yeah. that would be epic of just like what a bunch of our listeners yeah. want to hear in terms of like direct questions around sex, like relating to their relationships and all of that it would be amazing. But we so appreciate you taking the time coming on today. This has been, oh, it's given me energy. Like, because you're so awesome. So awesome. I just feel like I've had the time, like, this is 50 minutes has flown by. And oh, shoot,
2: I didn't even look at the time. Oh, yeah, we did. We went. Yeah, Yeah.
0: like, it's flown by. And I love it. And so, um, yeah, we appreciate you taking the time and also just being so real. can 100%. I
2: offer one more thing?
0: A hundred percent. Okay,
2: good. Um, and yeah, first of all, I'm totally down for that Q&A. Back in the day when radio, I had a radio show, so I had to- Of course the you calls. did. Obviously. radio yeah. show. So, Can you give you us know, your
0: radio voice before we go, by the way? Yeah, please.
2: Um, you're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM. This is Stephen DeWitt, and this is Beat the System. Tune in next week where we have Nikki and Lexi from We Go There.
0: Wow. Um, that was amazing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow.
2: The, the one, I want to give one um, tool um, to your listeners. So it's something called a sex menu. Do you guys know what a sex menu is?
0: No. Nope.
2: Okay. Uh, you've obviously gone to restaurants. You open up a menu. It's, it's a very similar thing, um, but it's around sex. And this is all about developing your sexual self-awareness. And what it is, there's a list of, I think, like 160 ways that you can connect with your partner. And there's levels of spiciness to it from like more vanilla mainstream sex to more kinky sex. So you can go through that. Um, The first column is experience. So if you have experience with that or not, you can check that off. Now, this is something that you can do totally by yourself. You don't have to share it with your partner. You don't have to have a partner. If you do have a partner, that's cool. You can send it to them. They can do it. And then you could both agree like, hey, do I want to know what you've done in the past? Or do I not want to know what you've done in the past? And that's cool. So you can check it off, not check it off for that first column. The second column is interest. And that's like zero to five, like zero, like hells to the no. That's like way outside my comfort zone. Like I'm, I'm tapping out I'm using my safe word right now, just thinking about it. And then a five is like, oh my God, I wanted that last night. So you put your willingness zero to five. And then in the next column, it's our... G and B. So that's receiving, giving, or both. And then you can mark that off. And then there's notes and nuances because it may be like, hey, when I'm on vacation or when we're celebrating something, this is on board. But this is a way that people can really get in touch in a a tactile form of, of where they're at and what really works for them. And if you do have a partner, you can get together and you can either switch. And you could both look at each other's and be like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know you rated that like a five. Like, why didn't you tell me about that? Or you can go question by question with your partner down that. Um, so that's something that I want to make available um, to the listeners. Um, and to, to get that, you can visit sexlifeunleashed.com slash menu.
1: Um,
2: and you can just download that. And that is is my gift because again, it's, it's, One of my my most popular um, uh, tools that people can use. And then, so you combine that, you combine using the Lita technique, you combine looking at the sexual relationship that you have with yourself and start really like pulling apart and unlocking your sexual superpowers.
0: Well, there's my
1: weekend plans is (laughs) this next menu. (laughs) This is amazing. You're very generous. Thank Thank you. It's like a little course we did today. Yeah, so exactly, well, true. I'd love to
2: come back and teach some more and share and laugh. And, and, and yeah, this is great. Thank you.
1: And your radio voices. Oh, my God. So I good. Mean, <laughs> no worries. Let me do the intro for your words. podcast. I <laughs> want a <laughs> photo also of you shirtless set sh- with shooters on your tray. Can you dig something up for oh, us? Yeah, we for, need that. For ev- like promo? Holy that would be Lord. brilliant. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, we definitely need one of those for our promotion. 23-year-old Steven. Be
2: careful. <laughs> I have one. Of me wearing uh, like it was a Hawaiian theme party, and I think I'm wearing like a lei and like a coconut bra amazing. with like like yes. this shooter belt and like two bottles. Oh, um yeah. and 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 if I was just thinking, I was like, my Instagram is also an interesting place where people want yes. to get to know me um, and the different facets of of what I do and um, the wisdom and the dancing and uh, the frivolity that I that I bring to it as well. So that's another fun place. But yeah, I'll track down. I'll get that. I'll get that picture for you guys.
0: Amazing. Please, well, Thank you so much. This has been unbelievable. And we appreciate you coming on.
2: You're very welcome.
0: Thanks for listening. Stay
1: tuned for our next episode. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at we go there podcast and check out we go there for more info.